welcome to the season finale of Two Bye Guys. I'm Rob. In this episode, you will hear the second part of my interview with two married bye guys, civil rights and queer activist A. Billy S. Jones Hennen and his husband of over 40 years, Chris Hennen Jones. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to go back and start there. I learned so much from hearing about their journey, and I know that you will too. And if you have, without further ado, here is more from A. Billy and Chris. Enjoy. I want to ask about your your role in the bi community, because as bisexual person, we are really lacking in bi elders. I mean, there's no shortage of LGBT elders, queer elders, but I, I never really saw that many who were specifically bi identified. You're kind of in a league of your own almost. Like, what's it like to be a community elder, both as a role model and just as someone who's been in the community for many years? Like, has your role as a bi person in the LGBT community changed over time? Or what's it like to be that kind of role model? Do you see yourself that way? Mm, I, <laughs> I don't know if I see myself as a role model. Am I a role model in the bike community? I don't know. I guess I am. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Robin Oaks thinks so. Yeah, I was recently honored by the National Black Justice Coalition with the James Baldwin Legacy Award, and they... I was very happy that they introduced me and the award I was getting apparently was because of my activism in the bi community, which again was here in DC, active with the bi community as well as on a national level. But it's more around within other organizations, uh, pushing for simple things like, okay, we, we need to be more inclusive of bisexual. Let's look at our mission statement. Uh, let's look at our name of how we identify ourselves to the public. And I never, I, I guess I am a role model in some cases, only in the sense that I am often am the only one that's out about it. And the joy I get by identifying myself when I'm invited to conferences to be on a workshop, to do a workshop, to be on a panel, or to be a a keynote speaker, is that invariably young folks will come to me and say, thank you, I am bisexual also. But they're not necessarily comfortable saying that publicly. Yeah, And I find I had an attorney that doing bisexual awareness uh, in a week in September, the group already knew I was bisexual, but I my effort wasn't for me to come out so much as to make them aware that September 23rd is Bisexual Awareness Day, and we celebrated the whole week. And Right after I finished saying that, this attorney came out and said, 
Yeah, I identify as bi also. And of course, that was the first awareness. We've talked since. He's in a marriage. Uh, His wife knows that he's bi, but he, you know, professionally has not uh, come out. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we're, we're so invisible that really just being out is such a big part of the battle and being visible. So, yeah. And it's a simple thing as, you know, I, I will identify Chris as my spot at a doctor's office or whatever, wherever. And then, of course, they will refer to me as gay and I go, no, uh, uh, I'm not gay. You know, I'm in a same gender loving relationship. I'm, I identify as bisexual. And they go, yeah. oh. They don't even have bisexual as an option. And I said, well, write it down. Write it down. Let me, let me spell it for you. <laughs> Good. Good for you. I said, look at the first three letters in my first name. It says A-bi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that one of the challenges is, you know, bisexuals have always existed, right? And it's only been, you know, maybe since our generation that that the whole concept of homosexuality and and the definitions have definitely uh, become important because um, uh, because of the oppression and because of of the status quo of dealing with all these issues in, in very negative ways. But in reality, there was a lot of bisexuality, um, a lot of very interesting things going on just below the surface, and people who were sophisticated enough to to process these things uh, accepted them. I mean, Billy, in Billy's particular case, uh, his dad was bisexual. Huh. And, and oh, wow. I, I know that in my... So you like to out my dad? I am. I'm, outing it out. but <laughs> I, I'm also outing... I can out, out, out my dad. <laughs> that when I came out to him, I was about 25 at the time. You know, I basically tell, told him that I was exploring relationships with, with men over and above my relationship with, with my wife. And he, he said that, you know, he just blurted out. He said, you know, I'm really happy for you because when I had those similar feelings, it was better to be dead than admit having them. Wow. And then I realized that, uh, you know, he had some pretty, he had had a, one particularly pretty serious relationship with another married man. Wow! When he was 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 my age at that time, and then you know you begin to to, to look at albums and and I saw that I had a grandfather that had uh, a best friend for years. You know that, mm. that um, wow he maintained and 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 I still remember uh, visiting my my great grandparents, great mother grandmother. And going to church and seeing this woman come into church with two men every Sunday. And I wanted to know what that was all about. I mean, I was, I was nine at the time, but it was already in my mind, you know, well, well this is a neat marriage. <laughs> and my grandmother was sort of uppity, uh, you know, used to shush me up and tell me that I don't ask such questions. And but I nailed my, my great grandmother and, and basically asked her, you know, can you explain to me what, what's going on? And she said, well, if, if, if I can be, um, if she can have confidence that I will keep this to myself, she basically said that uh, one of the men, uh, one, 
her first husband had gotten scarlet fever and was not able to have um, sexual relations or even children, I think. And, um, and so she, she had another man and they decided to live in, you know, as three. And, and these were people, you know, who were of means and, um, and it was socially accepted within a very provincial uh, part of France. But it was accepted that, you know, that's the way they had arranged it. And that was the way it was going to be. Well, I, I, I just think there are so many stories like the ones you just shared. And so thank you for sharing them because they are so hidden. I think they'll often remain hidden forever um, unless unless we share them. Is there anything going on currently in the world of queer activism, queer representation that is exciting either of you at the moment or any leaders in the community you're following or just whether it's bi or queer in general, like what's, what's exciting you lately about where it's headed? I, I think for me, what's exciting is seeing more and more and more young folks coming out as bi or as gay or as lesbian uh, or as queer or non-gender conforming uh, is very exciting. And of course, the language continues to expand, not shrink, but expand. I'm, you started off asking about our pronouns. I think we both in identify as he, him, his, right, baby? Okay. But I always tell people, if you have another pronoun for me, go for it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, we were discussing high heels the other day, but <laughs> I said, well, I'll be in my wheelchair. I can still wear high heels. <laughs> Uh, but that's what's exciting to me. I mean, you know, to have professional athletes come out and identify themselves openly as gay or bi or, mm -hmm. you know, as a sexual minority. It, it, it's just we have a ways to go. We've not arrived. But and and the research continues to say that within the queer community, bisexuals are the majority. Unfortunately, we're also probably the most closeted about it. Exactly. And and that's unfortunate. And I feel that uh, our community is still least accepting of us and least understanding of bisexuals. And so we have a lot of um, sensitivity and education still to do within our community. I think that, that a lot of work has to be done on a, on a, on a personal level. Uh, I know that we live half the year in Mexico, and, uh, and we sort of created a little community in, in where we live in Mexico. And it's been interesting because uh, at the beginning, um, they had a bit of confusion understanding, you know, my ex-wife was living with us uh, for a good part of the time. Huh. Uh, Billy was uh, going through a lot of convalescence because of, of his issues. 
Um, I've had uh, a lover there who's been um, part of our family. And we've made it work. You know, uh, we've made it work in the sense that we, we, we function as a family. And I, I have a crew of people that work for me down there. And, you know, we all eat together and, and make a community of it. And for me, it's been really interesting how uh, we spent a few years really not talking about what was going on. And then slowly but surely, we, you know, uh, we got to talking about it. And for me, it's been fascinating to see, uh, particularly these guys who are, you know, they tend to be pretty um, square initially as to as to uh, diversity ways of living. But slowly but surely, they warm up to it and uh, and have really gotten to appreciate us and we've appreciated them and, and felt more and more accepted. We and that's a lot of the groundwork, I feel, mm-hmm. that... that is is going on, but really isn't necessarily appreciated outside of the nuclear experiences. Yeah, we have a transgender niece that's there who also identifies as bisexual, and she's in a relationship with a person that is trans transitioning to become a woman, and is pretty much all the way transition by now. But Chris and I was struggle with the pronouns and And we've had our own prejudices as yeah, well. I mean it, it, it definitely it, highlights it. But the <laughs> the the Mexican guy that worked with us would correct to us. Uh, no, 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 it's a woman, it's a woman. They <laughs> they went there much easier than we and we were able to make the transition. They seem to have just very readily accepted it. Interesting. Well, it's it's interesting what you said because, like, in other words, it's almost like there's this ground game going on in the LGBT community of conversations within a family or within close friends, and that will trickle up, even though it may not be as visible as like the leaders of the community who are out there, like. I think what you're saying is like it's it's happening under the surface. It's bubbling under there. People are learning learning more in their nuclear units, which is which is a great place to learn. I have a couple listener questions. Can I ask you they're like advice questions? Okay. Okay. So you mentioned your kids, five kids together, other kids from another marriage. Uh, many grandchildren. Ten grandchildren. Ten grandchildren. Wow! Congratulations. Do you have any advice either on being a bi parent or on parenting queer kids? Well, my 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 biggest advice probably is if you're going to have kids, uh, definitely spend a lot of time uh, talking about what your intentions are and get them down on paper and at least um, come to an understanding of what is important. And and what is important is supporting uh, this kid. And I think the kid will turn out the best he possibly or she possibly can, as long as, as everyone involved is aware that their primary intention is supporting the the birth and, and growth of, a new being. I think 
I I came. My family was sort of the definitely the opposite of Christopher's family. It was a very loving, intimate family. They expressed intimacy very open. Uh, talked about uh, sex very open. I had a uncle that he he was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say. He he would get drunk on weekends and cross dress and then strut up and down the street. <laughs> and my dad would have to go get him and, and drag him in. And he would always sober up Sunday night and go back to work. But every weekend he'd come up with something. And finally my mother just said, you know, if you're going to do that, you need a better wig. And, <laughs> and she started training him how to walk <laughs> and how to stretch. And uh, I never knew that my dad was bisexual. Uh, I I came out to him about being attracted to men before anyone else. You know, I was talking to him about it. He kept asking me, what's the problem? What is the problem? And... <laughs> You know, I, I gradually got it out. And his coming from a medical family of a doctor and a, and a nurse, his recommend, you know, his advice was sort of concerned about uh, being discreet, concerned about sexually transmitted disease. But he never, he never uh, advised me otherwise. You know, he just said, well, it's normal that you would have these feelings. And it was my mom that after his passing, uh, and I started to come out to her, and her response was, oh, you're just like your dad. And Uncle George, <laughs> she doubted two people at the same time. Well, <laughs> Uncle in the black community, everybody had to endure my era. You didn't call adults by that first name. And my dad's closest friend was called Uncle George. And they were both married, and both their wives knew about them. So I thought that was that was really a role model for me without me realizing. Mm-hmm. I just knew they spent a lot of time together. But in terms of advice, I think, Especially with kids, I think it, it, it's just love, being lovable and being honest about yourself. Being able to talk about sexual minorities in a positive manner that kids can hear you talk about it and not mm-hmm. sweep it under the rug. And if there is something, if you depict it in a, a negative way, you have the opportunity to talk about the positive side of it in much the same way that we talk about social justice as it relates to people of color, we have to talk about social justice as it relates to the LGBTQ community also. Um, One of the the, um, outlets that, that I've gotten into, I guess since I've retired, has been I spent a lot of time on the internet uh, communicating with with guys from all over the world, and um, for me it's been fascinating that 
most of their introductions is always, um, I'm looking for the one and only person in, that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I've been sort of challenged asking them, uh, why in the world would you want to do that? <laughs> you know, and to, to, um, to just get into a dialogue and, and you know, I've, I've had maybe two or 300 people that I've communicated with over the last uh, six years, just being able to share, you know, just the spectrum of possibilities and get them to, you know, and, and unfortunately, a lot of these people are from countries like Russia or different African countries where they're, they're, they just want a lifeline to, um, to figure out uh, what their options are, what, what, what um, you know, if, if, if they're crazy or not, you know, basically. Yeah. yeah. Bisexual, what the types of pressures that they're in. And, um, and a lot of it is just listening to, to, to what they're dealing with and, and having su suggestions or, or sharing with them other possibilities. Yeah. Well, um, relatedly, another listener question, because we have a lot of listeners who come out later in life or only realize they're bi often after they've been married for a while. Um, so do you have any advice for bi married late bloomers who are experiencing midlife crisis? That's a question from a listener. Um, find a support group, which is much easier today than it has been in the past. It, hopefully there may even be a bisexual group in their community. If not, there are bisexual groups that will respond online. Same thing with make use of the hotline. Again, it's one of those that to be on, try to be honest. And it's, if you're already in a marriage, it's challenging. I mean, it, you know, the, it's, it's the timing and everybody revealed their feelings in different ways at different times. Some folks just fall out of the closet and tell everybody. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I recommend, you know, really, if you, in coming out, the question I, I advise people is ask yourself, why? Why do you feel you need to reveal your sexuality to this particular person or this particular group as opposed to just coming out for the sake of coming out? So if you're in a relationship, that's important to be honest about it. I'd, I'd like to, in all honesty, you know, I, I think that, that uh, as you get older, it's really important to realize that we're still sexual beings. Mm -hmm. And it really helps to be in dialogue with, with others that are looking for the same type, type of, of outlet. And it takes some work. You know, I, I would seriously recommend dedicating half an hour or an hour a day uh, on the internet, seeking people out to dialogue with. And if you're lucky, you will find somebody to, to, to actually meet and, and spend some quality time with. But I, I, would, I would seriously recommend to do the work. Go ahead, because th there are some great people out there. There's 90, probably 90 to 99% of scammers and, and, and crazy people that you don't want to get to know. But that's good too. I mean, I, I think it's 
it's good to know that that there are a lot of people out there wanting the same type of things. And it's great when you finally find somebody who wants them the same way that you do. Yeah. And, then, and, and learning to discern between the two, because that's the part of the work. Yeah. You, you do, do. And there are counselors out there that can be very supportive. And so I think sometimes going to a professional person can also be very, very helpful. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's hard to find the right uh, counselor or therapist. And if they are anti-bisexual, gay, you know, LGBT, say goodbye. Say thank you. This uh, is not a good match for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking for someone to push me back into the closet. Yeah. I'm looking for someone to help me be comfortable who I am. And it's important, I think that, I mean, one of the messages that I always say to anyone coming out is that your sexuality is fluid. So how you identify today may not be how you identify five or ten years from now. Totally. You may identify that way, but I can identify as bisexual, but and still be in the same gender-loving relationship, or I could be in a male-field relationship. So my relationship, you cannot identify me by the type of relationship you see me in. You don't really, if I haven't told you, you don't know. Don't make assumptions. Ask. Very true. Okay, last last question. This one comes from me because like you guys, I am in a biracial, polyamorous, bisexual, and gender non-binary and trans relationship. Welcome to the club. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But I want to ask about the open relationship aspect of it mixed with bisexuality. What advice would you have for someone exploring that type of relationship? How do you make polyamory or open relationships work? Well, it's a well, big one. It's a big one. It's it's by having them to begin with. Um, it's by, um, yeah, I, th- I think that, that, that I don't regret any of, of my relationships ever. I, I think every relationship is something that, that where, where you, you, you teach and you learn. You know, you share and, and, and go through different processes. More than anything else, I think it's really important to, to be reflective and to try to understand what you are evolving in having these relationships. I mean, are, are you uh, becoming more confident? Uh, are you learning to, to, to actually feel things that you, that you never allowed yourself to feel before? Are you uh, being accountable in the sense that are, are, are you taking into consideration the feelings of the person that, that, you're, that you're relating to? Uh, is it an amazing journey or is it scary and, and frustrating and, and something you never want to do again? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's going through all those, those processes where you get to know yourself better and become a better person. I love that. I, I also think when, 
when you enter interracial or international interculture relation, it's more challenging in that it's a learning process of what that person's culture is like, and it becomes a give and a take. It works if both persons are willing to give a little as well as take you in some, and you both you both have to be willing to do that, to work on that. It's not an automatic. So a, a lot of it is curiosity about the other person's culture. So for me, with Chris, he's, he's as much French as he is American. So it's learning about, you know, his family and how they deal with different issues and with my friends that are, are West Indian and American black, I, I, I find I, I don't have to explain stuff to them. It's, you understand that. So I can mm-hmm. just state something and move on. Uh, with a lot of white folks, they just don't quite get it initially, and then I have to back up and explain it, or I have to say it in a different way, wherein with blacks, I can use an expression and they get it. I I mean, for example, with music, we've kind of evolved into liking each other's music. It's a simple thing, but it's it's a cross-culture thing in the sense of, of sharing different types of music that you begin, and same thing with art, the uh, artwork, you know, the little, oh, food for sure. Uh, it, you know, they say the way to a man's heart is through food, and that's true. But learning, you know, appreciating foods from different countries, uh, but you don't even have to be from different countries, just from the, the southern cuisine versus the northern yeah. cuisine. Uh, how people socialize, uh, their politics. I think being politically on the same wavelength or similar, I find for me is important. Yeah, I could not be in love with a trumpet. Sorry, <laughs> just not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. You know? But the, you know, even having kids discussing parenting, how you'd like to parent your kid before you have the kid is important. Chris spent hours and hours and hours with the lesbian couple discussing, you know, pros and cons, uh, do's and don'ts of having children. And 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 at the end, just, they just realized there's no really no cookbook. For, for raising kids because each child is different and they come into the world with their own personality. You can influence them, but they're their own being. I'd also pull, pull the whole thing, you know, the fact that we within ourselves are a equal components, mind, spirit, emotions, and body, and that our challenge really is getting those four components to work in some kind of synergy. And it, almost all the issues that one has, whether one's bisexuality or all our different needs, 
those four components have a different take on it and and have a different input on it and often you know you can be totally dominated by your mind and 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 not do anything because of all the rules and 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 and, and intellectual paradigms that you have to deal with in order to actually go and have sex with somebody you know mm-hmm. so, yeah. So I think it's really important to, to, to pat yourself a little bit on the back uh, through the entire process and, and breathe with it and realize, okay, you know, I'm processing this and, and this may be a difficult time, but eventually um, the, the solution will re- reveal itself as long as I'm, you know, doing, doing this spiritual, emotional, physical and, and intellectual uh, work to make it happen. Awesome. Awesome. Um, that's a nice note to end on, and we've covered so much. But before we go, is there anything else that's on your mind that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Any any final thoughts that are in your head? Yeah, well, there there is for me. I, I do feel like, um, and maybe it's just because I'm out of circulation a lot more since I've retired, but it's really refreshing to have somebody like you come in and ask, actually ask us a bunch of questions of how it was in, in our time. And for me, it's a little shocking because I, I don't consider myself 71 years old. And, um, and, but here I am. And, uh, and I realize, you know, that I've got maybe 20 years if I'm lucky. And um, so everything's becoming sort of finite and, I would have liked probably to see uh, not one of you, but a hundred of you by this time. And and even in in an organization like black and white men together, I've been sort of shocked that, uh, that the majority of us are from our, from my generation. And I would have expected that the majority of, of membership would be people from your generation. Yeah. But I find that young folks seem not to be joiners. They just, uh, I, I mean, they, they're definitely online. They do everything, interact online, but they're not uh, coming together to socialize. I don't know, maybe the bars are still attracting younger folks, but outside of that, in terms of organizations, I haven't seen it. Are we ever going to see the other bi guy? It says two bi guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Al- Alex uh, has a new job at the Trevor Project. Actually, it's not that new. So he's he since the podcast started, he's been very um, busy with that and f- more focused on that, which is a great great work he's doing there. But maybe next season we'll all get back together. And and you know, I think you're right. Like it is still hard to organize by queer fluid people and there is a lot more going on online and there is connections that happen there but you know for me I'm I went to a discussion group in New York City and that was what changed everything for me going in person and so I do hope that um you know that increases and we make more real world connections yeah there is a bi group here in, in DC uh that meets uh, and they, of course, during the pandemic, everything was online, understandable. And that I was able to maintain it. And they do uh, get together once a month uh, socially. So that's a good thing. 
That's awesome. Well, yes, we're two by guys, but I hope in the future it's a hundred by guys, a thousand by guys. But thank you both, these two by guys, so much for joining us today. I, like I, it, it's a different conversation than what I sometimes have because things have evolved and changed, and it's so. But also, there are some things that are the same, and there are some mindsets that I've heard from you guys and worldviews and the ways you've navigated these things that I identify with completely, you know, decades later. And so I really appreciate both of you taking the time, going over time. We couldn't stop. And I learned so much from you guys. Thank you very much for sharing your stories and being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've lived through the AIDS pandemic. And so far, we're living through the COVID pandemic. I just had a booster shot, so. Yay, good. All right, well, thank you guys both so much. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's it. That is a wrap on season three of Two Bye Guys. It has been quite a year, a season of true bycons. Thank you to all my guests, including Robin Oaks, Shiri Eisner, Vanit Mehta, Jen Winston, Gabriel Novo, and Max Ash and Etienne, plus Jacob Engelberg for returning to guest hosts, Gabriel Novo for guest hosting. Also, special thanks to Alex Boyd, the other bi guy of the two bi guys, for making time in his busy schedule at the Trevor Project to be here for at least one episode. Speaking of which, it is the giving time of year. If you are able and so inclined, I highly encourage a donation to the Trevor Project where Alex has been working. They focus on mental health and suicide prevention among LGBTQ youth. It's a great cause, so please consider supporting them. Two Bye Guys will be off until early 2022. No premiere date yet, but I have already started recording interviews, so don't worry, we will definitely be back soon. I'm also still working on my Married Bye Guy oral history project, as well as some other things in the works, so follow me on social media to stay updated, and I'm also going to continue doing live shows on Fireside, a live audio app, throughout December. The show is called Ask a Bye Guy, and it's interactive. You can ask me questions, you can tell your stories. Come join us and get in on the conversation. Thank you all so much for listening to this season of Two Bye Guys. Happy holidays, stay safe, and see you next year. Two Bye Guys is edited and produced by me, Rob Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our music is by Ross Mincer, our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman, and we are supported by The Gotham, formerly IFP. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys. <laughs>